Something new is supported by listeners like you. Visit joelbnew.com and help this podcast continue to grow, thrive, and be a part of the creative conversation. Or if financial support isn't within your means, please consider visiting iTunes and giving Something New a glowing review, a five-star rating, or if you're feeling crazy, both. This tiny but significant gesture tells iTunes that people are listening to Something New, which in turn makes the show more visible and easier for newcomers to find and enjoy this little labor of love as much as you do. So please do it, and thank you. Hello, dear listeners. Welcome to Season 4, Episode 17 of Something New. I'm your host, Joel B. New. How's everybody doing on this um, fine Labor Day that this episode is coming out on? Um, hopefully you're, you know, you're out in someone's backyard cooking up some dogs and burgers and, you know, drinking some brewskis, um, just chilling and listening to a podcast about musical theater. Um, (laughs) Or if you're listening to this on Sunday, or as I call it, Labor Day Eve, that means you're listening to it on Broadway World, uh, which is super cool. So thank you for finding us a day in advance over at the BWW. Uh, I am sitting here at my desk in Inwood, uh, drinking my only my second cup of coffee. Thank you very much. Um, in my uh, rabbit from Winnie the Pooh mug that I love. Um, we are transitioning into hot coffee, y'all. It is September. It's cardigan weather. It's hot coffee weather. Uh, the pumpkin spice is out there. It's alive and well. Pumpkin spice is my Pokemon Go. I will go find it and catch it all. And I don't, you know... Basic haters be damned. That's all I have to say about that. And you know who agrees with me? The one train. He's making a rare appearance on something new. Right now. Yeah, that's totally the train saying hello. Um, man. So it has been a month since I posted the last episode. I hope you enjoyed my interview and performance with Bailey. She's awesome. Um, I like to, in a perfect world, release a new episode every two weeks, and um, and that just wasn't the case this time, and that's um, due to a combination of things, um, including but not limited to uh, guest availability, space availability, and Cabot Cove album work that just had to take priority. So thank you for your patience waiting for a new episode, and I, I'm excited to be bringing you another one. This is our penultimate episode. We've got one more, and that'll be our finale concert, which is going to be live-streamed for you on Mark Your Calendars Kids, Saturday, October 8th at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, I am partnering with uh, Drama to Skilled Fund, which with whom I've been working this whole season. It's going to be in their music hall space, very fancy uh, environment, and an Howl Round which is new to something new. And they're actually going to be hosting the live stream TV experience so that you guys can actually watch this concert from the comfort of your living rooms. In fact, that's actually the only way that you'll get to watch the concert um, 
as it's happening live. Um, and then hopefully, if I'm if I'm really on top of things, two days later, uh, the concert will go on iTunes. But let's just you know that sounds even a little ambitious as I'm saying it out loud. So please mark your calendars. Saturday, October eighth. It's a little over a month away. Seven p.m. Eastern time. Uh, and we will be live streaming a concert, which uh, is going to. It features many of the season's guests. Uh, they're returning to perform. Uh, it'll be featuring all seventeen original songs that premiered this season on something new. And again, feeling ambitious here. Um, a, maybe even a brand new new tune. Maybe. Um, in the episode you're about to hear, I I did say that 18 songs were premiered on this season, and after doing some counting uh, math, I found out it was only 17 songs. So there might be an 18th song um, happening at this concert, just so I'm telling the truth. And I like to write songs. The album, Cabot Cove... Did you know I'm working on an album? Um, Cabot Cove... Um, has just been mastered. Like, it's been mixed, it's been mastered. I've just put the final stamp of approval on the masters this week. And now we're just waiting to hear from Universal to get their approval on um, the title song does, at this in its current form, uh, quotes the Murder, She Wrote theme song. And in order to do that uh, fairly and legally, and correctly, that needs to be approved by Universal. So we are waiting to hear from them, hopefully for not too much longer. Um, they've been very, very nice. So fingers crossed that means uh, nice things are in our future. But once I get the green light from Universal, then everything just moves full throttle, which I believe was the name of a Fast and Furious sequel. Um, please tweet me and correct me if I'm wrong, because I know there are so many crossover fans of um, the Fast and Furious franchise. Say that ten times fast. Um, and something new. Like, every day I get some email about Vin Diesel, and I'm like, guys, guys, can we just talk about musicals? Oh, it's embarrassing. What was I actually talking about? The album. So we're waiting for Universal, and then once Universal gives us their their thumbs up and I pay them, then the graphic art gets finalized, the CDs go out into actual production, uh, the songbook gets finalized, and then we uh, finalize a venue for the release party, and, um, and there we go. And, th- and then... And then, next stop, Hollywood. That's that's what we're going to say. Since the live stream concert is going to be, like, another month away from this episode, um, I'm going to try to give you something a little different between now and then. Um, as some of you might know, I do have a blog that I post on occasionally uh, called Confessions of a Banter Writer. And uh, I saw something on Facebook recently. Someone had posted a picture and on it was like a graph and on one side of it was this character called the thriving artist and on the other side was the surviving artist it was very goofus and gallant um and kudos if you get that reference and 
And some of the things that they attributed to surviving versus thriving artists, like I saw and I understood and I appreciated it as a thing, but I feel like those clean, neat and simple black and white charts, like they're only going to get you so far. And there's a point where if we start, if we just look at anything from a black and white perspective, it's going to limit you and you're going to start to judge and question yourself uh, probably unfairly. So that's why over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be posting a new blog um, once a week talking about thriving versus uh, starving. Thriving versus starving, not surviving. Um, it's a lyricist in me. Thriving versus starving. Um, and I think what I'm also going to do is I'm going to post them audibly here on something new. So if you're um, more of a audiobook person, such as myself, I'll post them here. Yeah, I think that's it. I'm going to let myself get to interviewing these two lovely ladies about their um, joint venture motivated movers, Elise and Jesse. It was so nice to like formally meet them and get to talk and then premiere a very, very silly song. So I'm going to get out of your way. I'm going to finish my coffee here and, um, and then probably go out with Strider and enjoy this lovely uh, beginning of fall weather. And I hope you do too. Happy Labor Day, and I will be talking to you all very soon. And without further ado, here is episode 417. Are you this is Joel B. New, and you're listening to Something New, my chance to talk with some of the savviest professionals in the world of performing arts, to hear their stories, premiere a brand new original song, and get to the heart of what makes them the working, multifaceted artists they have come to be. My first guest currently lives in Chicago, where she straddles a life in arts and commerce as co-founder and executive director of Motivated Movers, a full-time master's in arts management candidate at Columbia College Chicago, client services account coordinator for Prevail Strategy, and a new intern at Auditorium Theater. A graduate from Oklahoma City University with a BA in American Dance Pedagogy, she has performed and choreographed across the country both professionally and for educational theater. On the other side of the table, she served as casting director for the Hangar Theater's 2014 and 2015 seasons and assistant to artistic director Jen Waldman. My second guest is a Catholic University of America alum and Maryland native. She is co-founder and creative director of Motivated Movers. On stage credits include Oliver at Arena Stage, Fiddler on the Roof, and The Visit at Signature Theater. Behind the scenes, she has served as resident choreographer for Center Stage at the Catholic University of America, and most recently she choreographed Catch Me If You Can at Montgomery College Summer Dinner Theater in Rockville, Maryland. Obviously, and respectively, I'm talking about Elise Hurden and Jesse Palmer. These two ladies, they are Both and, and, they are symbiotic. We is. are very symbiotic. Yeah. That is very true. I have been enjoying this process. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, so I first heard of Motivated Movers uh, when our mutual friend Vishal invited me to, it was, I think it was a launch party or yeah. what was that? So um, we love uh, 
community and we really like cultivating community. Uh, so for a couple years, we were trying this community event um, called the Meet and Mingle. And it was where we invited other small businesses, other artists who had small businesses. And um, the one that you came to, I think, actually, was also uh, an opportunity for our students to perform in a different way, immersively. I don't know. When you have a small business, you like to try all kinds of different crazy and new things. Yeah. And that's kind of what the meet and mingle was for a while. So, yeah, it was it was a great community event. Nice. Um, and then I found out later that Elise and I have OCU in common. That is crazy. Oklahoma City University. We don't have to talk about how far apart. (laughs) (laughs) We don't have to mention years. We don't have to mention years. Okay, sure. But but I loved that. I loved that, you know, I was like, oh, there's another OCU person doing their thing. And, you know, not just taking like this one path down that, you know, I think as younger professionals were kind of told this is the path you go. (laughs) And it's just, it's always thrilling to me to see other OCU people or just other artists in general who say yes to, all right, let's try this, and let's go over here, and let's say, what's, oh, what's behind this curtain, and, um, and trying things out. Yeah. Um, how did the two of you meet? So, it's very crazy the way we met that it didn't happen sooner, because we have so many mutual friends, and we just were constantly kind of missing each other in hmm. social situations and other things. So, we both met um, in Jen Waldman's studio. <gasps> Jen Waldman! Yes, I love, love her. So, we were in the studio <laughs> class together, and our that class was a little smaller and mm-hmm. really just... We got along and we synced creatively very well. There was a lot of things. Everyone was kind of going through all these different sort of things in their careers and lives. And so, we just really bonded um, yeah, so we met in that class, and then I didn't, we kept trying to have a date, and then you went on tour. Yeah. So I didn't see you, or yeah. hear from you again. I thought that was gone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that she was gone, just like the, you know, the French thing on an actual Yeah, date. yeah, yeah. Time, so yeah. much time Tours do with that. Yeah, and then... And then I came back to the city, and um, on the JWS uh, like Facebook group forum that she has, where the, her community can kind of connect, mm-hmm. somebody had asked if anyone could coach them on dance classes. So mm-hmm. we both responded to this person and said, "Hey, like we're willing to like that's something we're totally interested in." And I actually wrote, "I'll let's start a class for all you motivated movers." Not joking, that's how the name came. Like, yeah. I wrote Whoa. it in a response. And then, yeah, we'll start a group class. And then I wrote to her, I was like, well, I'm interested in that, let's have a meeting. So it's very funny that this mm-hmm. is happening here at Ripley because we yeah. had our first meeting in the cafe. No. To, to really sort of just talk it out. And we realized that we believe a lot of the same things and we um, are very like minded, and um, obviously. And yeah. then we. Um, <laughs> And then it started as a class. Yeah, it started as a group class, and yeah. we did coach that. Well, Elise coached. I had been coaching student. for a little bit first, yeah. but then when we met, I actually had just torn my right trapezius. Oh. And I couldn't look to the right for over three months. Yeah. And so dancing was a no go. So yep. I knew immediately if I was going to actually start a group class that I needed some help because I couldn't move at, <laughs> at all. So that's kind of how we, we, that was a big part of why yeah. we got together was like we were both doing individual coaching and I couldn't continue if I didn't have someone. Yeah. So that, then we, we just kind of, yeah. So we started as like a class for 
students within the Jen Walden studio. And then Jen is a huge mentor of mm-hmm. myself and Jesse, and she, you know, said, take your wings and fly and give this to everyone else. And so, I don't know, somehow we woke up with a business. Yeah. We didn't plan it. It was not a, we just woke up with a business. Wow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> One day we're like, oh, I guess we're really doing this. This is real. For real. Yeah. And here we are. And how, here we are. How long ago was that? A little, well, three and a half years ago. Wow. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah, it is. It's, it's so real. <laughs> you should be really proud. Years. Yeah, we are. Yeah. We are. It's been a really amazing journey and, um, and we've learned so much. I've learned so much about myself as a performer, as an artist in general, not oh, yeah. only from our students, but from uh, curating our classes and coming up with the, the curriculum. It's been really an amazing learning experience that I never expected. I'm really happy. That. Yeah. Now, the term mover, yeah. can we define that? Because, like, in some circles, it, it seems to have, like, a negative connotation, right? Like, there's... Yeah dancers and then there's like singers and actors and then there's like singers who move well and like can you talk to me about where all that fits yeah. in your world? I think the simplest way to say it Please. is if you are not interested or confident in walking into a dance call first we'll call you a mover and mover should only be a positive thing and there's I, a I wide agree. range yeah. of mover I mean there's so many different types of movement from pedestrian all the way to an advanced dancer in New York City Ballet but a, a mover is someone that you know enjoys movement they they are aware of their spatial surroundings they have good body control but they're not um, necessarily going to give you a batma to your face and that's okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so we're sort of interested in changing that mm-hmm. that negative connotation, right? I mean, yeah. really, like, we would argue and we, we challenge our students to think everyone's a mover. I mean, like, my mom is a mover. And, but also... My dog. Your dog. Like, movement <laughs> is everywhere. And, and for that reason, you shouldn't be scared of it. And it's easier to uh, embrace it and mm. really embody that idea. Um, and... It is unfortunate that move, mover has that negative connotation in some circles because um, actors move in a different way. I don't know. It's just, you know what I mean? Like yeah. It, no, it, I love that you're kind of taking the word back and yeah. like reshaping it. Yeah. I, it's, I, it's, um, there's value in all movement, and we're really trying to empower people to believe that way. Regardless of your technique level. It doesn't yes. really matter. Yeah. Everyone can move. And especially in the industry today, I feel like movement technique is not necessarily always wanted you know in some like edgier i mean spring awakening the it was very raw very pedestrian and but stylized Mm -hmm. and so that's a great thing about movers is that because they don't have that ingrained technique you're gonna get something a lot more organic from them that could be way more artistic than a dancer a trained dancer someone who's danced since they were two could ever Hmm. you know come up with which yeah. is interesting yeah. as, a, as a choreographer and creator in that way we've definitely mm-hmm. seen that evolution in singing you know from American Idol and uh, back when mm-hmm. Rent was first on Broadway yeah, and yeah. just they, they didn't want to see people who had like labels on their resume and stuff right. like they wanted yeah. they wanted raw singers right do you think that has influenced the dance movement as well like we want raw dancers oh, that gosh, maybe don't so- I think in yeah. I think in places definitely. Mm-hmm. I think there is this stigma when we're talking about like really polished um, 
you know, I think sometimes choreographers have a hard time if they don't necessarily know how to communicate with people who don't have dance training. Mm, so I yeah. think sometimes if people don't feel as confident in their communication skills in that way, they might err towards more trained people because they feel more confident in their communication with them. Mm-hmm. And I think that sometimes that works to their benefit. And I think sometimes there's some people who are really awesome that could have yielded something really cool that might have not gotten in that situation, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's, I've never thought of that connection. I don't know. I, I it's cool, though. actually yeah. really, yeah. Yeah, well, we're so. even, even more and more, we're getting choreographers who don't have a theater background. Exactly. Well, the same as, like, musical theater writers. We get pop songwriters. We yeah. get Cindy Lauper and Sarah Bareilles, yeah. you know, come and write Broadway scores because they are coming with a very unique tool set that... Mm-hmm we don't have, you know, but the same could be said vice versa. But right. I think that's, um, it's an interesting trend to kind of see from all these different angles, like just bringing people in, just kind of making a mess in a good way. Yeah. Yeah. And working organically with who you have in front of you. I think that's a big trend with choreographers right now is you don't just play to their strengths. create choreography elsewhere and place people in it. You place yeah. a lot of people in front of you yeah. on the artist. So it's natural for them. And that means it's, you're going to get a wider range of movement types. I actually think that Waitress is an interesting example of that. I feel like that choreography is very... And Kinky Boots sort of too. I think it's very organic with the people, the all the different people in the ensemble. It's not quite as polished, um, you know core ensemble everybody has the same leg height and all of that you know right, right. The, the, which is great too it has, yes, has, to. it has a place, place for sure. <laughs> home of the rockets home of the yes my Basically. five foot two self at the home of the rockets uh, <laughs> me too me too have you both always had a broader vision for yourselves in the arts like in like being involving and beyond the track of performer like how has that mindset served you yeah, I think um, for myself, always, I I guess it's because of my journey in the arts. Um, well, we'll say it, it's fine. Um, I got scoliosis when I was 12, and I was up to that point a classical ballerina. That's That was my dream, and at yeah. 12, I was like, well, I can't do that. My body's not going to allow me to do that, but I love dance, so what can I do? And I was like, well, there's the high school musicals coming up. Let's learn to sing, and then let's be able to dance in that. So then my first was West Side Story. Perfect, right? Yeah. So I think because of my scoliosis, I always um, kept an open mind of what direction I could go. I never, I didn't ever know if I'd be able to dance professionally for a long time. So that meant let's explore singing, let's explore acting, let's explore starting a business let's explore casting let's um I actually got a degree in dance pedagogy yeah because I wanted the opportunity and the ability to do something beyond performing so I think for me it was engraved in me I think the the stranger thing was that I performed more than (laughs) really like I think that was more for me that it was such a nugget that I did for four years but it was different like I think people expected me to go into teaching and business side more than they did performing so for me yes it has always been wide bubble I mean I've always been college was a really interesting um place for me I uh 
mirroring Elise sort of, I got, um, I was diagnosed with nodules my freshman year of, of college, okay. going into um, a Bachelor of Music at Catholic, and there weren't a lot of dancers at the time there, and so I also got pegged going in as an incoming freshman to choreograph, like, everything. Wow. So I choreographed uh, main stage musicals for the music school. I choreographed basically all of the student productions for my freshman, like going into my first semester freshman year to my senior year. I chore- We had to do recitals. I choreographed student recitals. And all on this journey of, um, with this, the vocal damage that I had. And, um, and it, and it took me a really long time to overcome that. And, um, I am really proud of the of overcoming it, and yeah. it was always performing was always really po- important to me. But it was always something I had to fight for mm. through school because I also got pegged as a dancer in a very singer heavy school. Yeah, so it was it made me be a little more um, like have a little more tenacity in that regard. Yeah. Um, so I think, like Elise, I always sort of had this idea that I there was other things I could do. Um, but it was also kind of scary. It took me a while to embrace all of the different hats I can wear and not be afraid by them or be afraid that I would be thought of as confusing or like, what does she do? She does, well, she does all this stuff, you know? And yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And, so and she's awesome. Yeah. So she's kick ass basically. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> boom, boom. Was that, um, that, that hurdle that you're talking about was how much of that was, being afraid of how other people perceived you and how much of that was you perceiving yourself? Mm, that is a great question. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think in the industry as it stands now, it's important for you to be able to do a lot of things, mm-hmm. right? And that's something that as we have gotten older and in this business, it's definitely become more in demand. I think from the time that I graduated college it's much more acceptable to be have all those hats totally it's very so I think when I first started it was a lot me and a little bit other people just being like are you sure you want to like let everybody know you do all those things you know yeah um but but now I feel like it's way more almost expected that you do 20 things yeah and great you, you know? do them all very well. You yes. almost yeah. have to these days, right? Because sometimes it's hard to just to support yourself on performing contracts twenty four seven. So either you yeah. can you can wait tables, and if that is something that you enjoy, that's great. Or you can find other things that you love to do to supplement, so that you're actually enjoying your work all the time. Yeah, yeah. we have so many right that are photographers as well as actors. Yeah, that's what this They're, whole podcast is about. Right? Yeah, like I mean, finding those people that. And you that's know, what we should tell college students now, right? Yeah. There are so many possibilities. Oh, sorry, as I hit you. There's so many like paths that you can take and cultivate them, and it'll get you to so many unique areas if you just kind of follow your curiosity. Yeah, exactly. It's like if you're 18 and in college, there's a very slim chance that you know exactly what you're going to do and where you're going to do it and how you're going to do it. Yeah, I mean, I mean it's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> that I would have my own business and be doing all this I would have never believed you yeah. ever because it's like I'm going to be on Broadway when I'm 20 so it's mm-hmm. cool I thought you I was going to be a doctor until I was 18 really? <laughs> yeah I, I actually um, when I applied for colleges I was applying for for music theater programs as well as schools that have good biology programs That's and I was like well hilarious. okay maybe She's I'll get crazy. the music theater degree and a minor in biology and then like after my do. four years yeah. go to med yeah. school that quickly ended. 
it was so quickly ended. But I guess I got some anatomy in my pet. I was about to say, I was going to say, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I guess yeah. it does, right? Yeah, but I thought until 18, I had no idea until my senior year of high school I'd even go into the arts. Wow. That's crazy. I want to be a doctor. I'm not going to be a doctor. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> well, never say, never say no. Right? Never, you know. Might be too many hats. That's true. <laughs> I think I'd like to finish school this year. <laughs> so Motivated Movers has been around for a couple of years now. Yeah. Like how, well, has its mission evolved and how? Because mm. you're, yes. you're undergoing like a big, a big re- rebranding, yeah, re-brand. is that correct? Definitely. Okay. Yeah, we... Um, sort of decided that we needed to clarify and really um, simplify our language Mm. because I think Motivated Movers is a very mindful company. We not only talk about your movement training, like the dance basics, but um, we really believe that the mental aspect of movement and of singers who act approaching movement, that acknowledging the mental gremlins or celebrations that are going on in your head like they need to be recognized and and um the whole artist the whole artist yeah Yeah. so we needed we realized that in the previous couple years of us making that you know kind of codifying that and solidifying that that it had gotten really sort of convoluted i mean we were saying the right we were saying the same thing but just in all sorts of different language trying to see what stuck with all kinds of different people yeah and I think with this rebranding, we just wanted to be like, this is who we are in a little yeah. tiny But I'd say our mission statement fully changed. I mean, we started being beginner dance classes, Boom. period. Like, yes. that's it. Yes. And we found, because we started working on the whole artist and wanting to really create a safe space where artists felt empowered, both on and off the dance floor, and artists needing to have support, whether they're new to the city or they're learning something new as an adult, which is terrifying for every adult to learn something new, and then yes. try doing it for an audition professionally to, to get a job so that you can <laughs> support yourself. Like, that's so hard. And so, so much pressure. So with that, we found that we were, you know, wanting to do a community events we were wanting to take care of and um assist artists on the road and more than just dance and that we didn't want to be limiting our our growth possibility and community to those that are absolute basic beginner dancers so now it's really about bringing what we hope to provide in the studio that safe space that celebrates artists that chooses to um look at auditions as a joyful experience regardless of what happens in the room and that you get to own your own audition like those messages are what we're trying to get out beyond just a dance class so our mission statement has grown to be about both beginner dance and connection and collaboration within the arts community I love that so it it expanded but clarified yes and it made it you know you never want a mission statement to be too pigeonholed because then you can't grow as a business so now it's like what we do is is dance programming but that's not why we do it we don't we don't do just to teach dance we do it for many more things Simon Sinek the why (laughs) (laughs) start with why (laughs) start with why Uh, what is the greatest lesson or biggest surprise you've encountered through Motivated Movers or and or biggest challenge that maybe you didn't expect? Greatest lesson. I'll say greatest lesson. Yeah, I think, I don't know that I did, don't have a challenge I didn't expect. I mean, it, owning your own business is always a challenge in 
all kinds of different ways and you will always be encountered with things you never expected you know like every day (laughs) so um the thing that I always kind of knew teaching but it was it's wonderful to be reminded of it every day in the room is that we are all in the same place like we are all experiencing the same things everyone regardless of training and background and you know their resume all feel the same things in the room while you're auditioning and it's wonderful for me to get to be leading a class and hear people older and younger than me that I'm teaching that are feeling the same things as me. You know, it, it helps me as a performer. And I feel like it also, it's just very unifying that we're all sort of experiencing the same things. And we're all in this, not to quote High School Musical, but we are all in this together. You know, we're, and you're never alone um, in the audition room or in um, a show that people are always experiencing the same thing. I think I learned that artists are so insanely courageous. <laughs> like yeah. the, you didn't know that? Well, I mean, I knew that, but it's a courage that I struggle with. And so, when you get to go into a room, I mean, I don't struggle with courage to dance, but you struggle with it in many other forms in the arts. And walking into a room of people that are choosing to be vulnerable and have you lead them in this learning process, I—I yeah. I mean, I understood that it was a courageous thing, but I think it's like one of the most courageous things you can do. That that ability to walk into a room and be fully present and be vulnerable and I, but and not just on stage, like I mean in your life. Like you do that 24/7 as an artist. I think for me I am in awe of that constantly and that's the biggest lesson I've brought from it. It also makes you think a bit more bigger picture community less myself we're all doing this we all have to have this vulnerability and like maybe if we can embrace that with everyone a little bit more and not be concerned about what how comparing journeys Mm -hmm. but embracing that vulnerability and celebrating it like that for me is the most special thing that comes from this community i mean i look to our artists on the dance floor to be like help me get ready to sing for this podcast yeah (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna go be vulnerable to get to it's such a privilege to get to be in the room with our students and see them actively choose this has been beating me for so long and today and moving forward like I'm drawing a line in the sand this will not beat me anymore and to like see them keep challenging themselves and fighting those gremlins in their head Mm -hmm. it's really an amazing thing to then see people six months later just yeah in a place that they never ever thought was possible, and it's 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 really it's really awesome. We I love our community. It's humbling to yeah. watch it every day. Yeah, in the classroom. yeah. Definitely. Well, what's great is that you guys clearly don't just talk the talk, but you walk the walk. Like today, you were you were you were both awesome and present and <laughs> brave and vulnerable uh, today on the song. <laughs> no, I'm serious. <laughs> That's a weird. Practice what we preach. We did. We (laughs) did. We said that. We were like, we can't expect our students to be this way and us Mm -hmm. not be that way. (laughs) We have to lead by example. Very vulnerable. You are. You absolutely are. Thank you. Thank you. You made it easy. Yes. Stop. You created this. Keep going. Oh, thank you. I try. It's important because, like, it's you know the the song's a baby, and you know I want to protect it as much as I can and help us, you know, help you help me walk it. Yeah.
Hey guys, before we get to part two of my interview with Elise and Jesse, I am bringing you a special segment brought to you by my friends over at the Ensemblist podcast, Mo and Nika. So without further ado, here is that little segment. Enjoy, and I'll see you in a few minutes. You're listening to The Ensemblist, the only podcast that shows you Broadway from the inside out. I'm Nika Graf-Lanzaroni. And I'm Mo Brady. Every generation has their show that changed everything. You're thinking of yours right now, but chances are another listener's thinking of a different show. You're not thinking of Cats? I'm... no. Okay. The show that changes how audiences perceived theaters, how composers write it, and how actors train for the future... And while every theater lover has their own opinion about which show has been the most influential... Cats. A great barometer of which shows that changed everything trickled into the art form is the Pulitzer Prize. Okay, I guess that is a great barometer. Since the first Mm -hmm. Pulitzer Prize for drama was awarded in 1918, only nine musicals have won this coveted prize. And while some of the nine shows continued to be regarded as musical theater's most influential contributors, others have been all but forgotten to popular culture. Or so we think. Unlike many other theater awards, the Pulitzer Prize is given to the text, not the production as a whole. So this is an opportunity to look beyond the hype, beyond the spectacle, and beyond the preconceived notions about these shows, and go straight to the source. And for those of you who haven't had the opportunity to read out the Maxwell House Haggadah with their families, we're asking the same question (laughs) of these nine musicals that we ask every Passover. Why is this show different from all other shows? That's an excellent question, Nika. I'd like to say I came up with it, but I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) And because we're the ensemblist, the experts we're collaborating with this season are fellow actors who have worked on one or more of these monumental musicals. So we're going to tackle the nine Pulitzer Prize winning musicals from the perspective of the ensemblist. How did each of these original productions use their ensembles? Did they change the way ensembles were used in the process? We know that these musicals changed how Broadway shows were written, staged, and produced, but did they change the experience of the ensemblists going forward? In addition to the expert artists we're bringing into the studio, we wanted to get a sense of the historical and political climate during their creation. What was the typical Broadway show like when the play debuted, and how were they unique compared to other plays of their time? Thankfully, we didn't have to look too far to add the voice of one of the most beloved and esteemed experts on the Broadway experience to our research. I am Jennifer Ashley Tepper. I live in Midtown West on 57th Street, to be exact. I am like a professional Broadway fan. Sometimes I like to describe myself as, but I work as a theater historian and as the programming director of Feinstein's 54 Below. So I'm involved in the Broadway theater community in different ways. I have a book series called The Untold Stories of Broadway. The third book is going to be released this November, and it's very exciting. Nika is one of the interviewees. The Untold Stories of Broadway takes eight different Broadway theaters in each volume and takes you through their history via people's personal stories, theater professionals, actors, directors, producers, but also stagehands and musicians and people that aren't interviewed as often. And I punctuate the whole thing with discoveries I've made and personal stories and stories about the interviews themselves. And you get to really learn about each of the theaters and the Broadway experiences that happen in them. Our guests this season are some of the most in-demand artists working on Broadway today. They're performers, choreographers, and directors, all who have had a first-hand look at these Pulitzer Prize-winning texts. And those experiences have given them a unique perspective on the Broadway musical as a canon. <sighs> nope, one-end canon. Got it. 
One thing I think that really is the intersection of the ensemblist and the Pulitzer Prize winning musical is that you can see throughout time that the ensemble members become more and more a part of the creation of the shows. Really throughout, you know, South Pacific had ensemble members who helped create their individual characters, but reaching an apex with a chorus line and then continuing from there, the ensemble members not only figured out who they were as individuals, but a lot of times they were actually in the rooms while the shows were being written. So in that way, the ensemble journey changed as the 20th century went on. And so this season, we will bring you nine episodes, each on one of the Pulitzer Prize winning musicals of the icing, South Pacific, Fiorello, How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying, A Chorus Line, Sunday in the Park with George, Rent, 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 Next to Normal, and of course, Hamilton. I just didn't want to belt that high right now. It's fine. <laughs> And that's not all. We're also going to bring you a few other crowd favorite episodes. A fourth installment of our Rehearsal Reports series. Another episode in our Spotlight series on non-performing jobs in the theater. And another Containing Multitudes, where we crack open the myths about being a successful Broadway artist. Please help others find out about The Ensemblist by leaving us a rating and review in the iTunes store. You can also download episodes on your podcast app of choice and listen to almost our entire back catalog at TheEnsemblist.com. movers that may not be obvious from the outside movement is scary no matter especially people who have had been on journeys with it and not maybe gotten the support from friends teachers anyone in their careers you know um just because someone says you can't or you're not good enough doesn't mean that there's any truth to that Mm -hmm. and we are the net to catch you in the way you need to be caught because that means that people need to be uh, walked through this journey in a lot of different ways and we love to meet people where they are and help them on their journey um no one has too little experience for us and um and 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 i think that there are some students that we get who are more advanced beginner that are at first are surprised that they can garner so much from our classes. And so I think that everyone needs to learn to trust themselves no matter where they are in the journey. And we're a great way to learn that. I think that the, for me the biggest thing that people don't necessarily know about motivated movers until they've gone through it is that we're so much more than dance. Yeah. I mean, that really is. We are we are far more than dance. Dance is not necessarily at the end of the day why we come together. No. Um I mean, it's a really easy place to... It's a very easy landing pad for us, mm-hmm. right? But um, our our best program, most exciting program, I think, that we're running right now is Face the Fear, which is our five-week um, audition workshop. And yes, that is centered around dance, but we tackle so much more. And I think that, yes, our students leave that class with some great... Um, assimilation tools, you know, how to learn the choreography, how to remember the choreography, how to act in the choreography, but they're also getting a lot more than just that. They're getting tools to be present in every kind of audition. They're yeah. getting tools to stay confident as artists. And, yeah. And they're making, they're expanding their own community. That's my favorite part. Yeah. The friendships that you watch happen. It's oh. the cutest thing. I love it. And then, and then you see it. <laughs> I love like, it. Like, <laughs> then I'll like Insta together, like, at an audition, click. And we're oh. like, Yes, we did it. <laughs> you did that. You we did that. that. <laughs> We've been accountability partner now. <laughs> yeah. How has your work as performers made you better on 
entrepreneurs, choreographers, casting directors, and and or vice versa? I have been very uh, fortunate to work um, at Arena Stage in the last couple of years with Molly Smith and um, Parker Essie and Paul Sportelli. Um, they are this like fierce and fabulous creative team that are so they cultivate creativity and vulnerability in their artists in the room um and that I have learned so much about myself and 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 through watching them interact with other people I've learned so much how to interact as a teacher myself and as a choreographer um and it's just so great when you're in a place of like-minded people um people who don't necessarily create in the same way but have some of the same values and I think um, I've realized through my performance career how important that is in all aspects of my life. That we don't have to believe exactly the same thing ever. Uh, you know, like, I don't need to be surrounded by people who are all exactly like me. Right. But that we value the same thing and but can get there in different ways, which I think is sort of interesting. I think now that I'm actually not performing anymore, um, I think that what I've learned as an artist as I'm like in grad school and pursuing a more business side of things and working for a marketing agency is as an artist you have to live a life of flexibility and adaptability um creative thinking that's outside of the box you got to think on your feet and you have to have a grit about you this perseverance that just like doesn't let you get down and I think carrying that into areas outside of the arts is ends up being my strongest asset that that adaptability the ability to juggle a million balls at once because <laughs> what artist doesn't juggle a million balls yeah. at once yeah. and that's not that kind of management is not something that comes naturally to a lot of people so I thank the arts for teaching me to do whole, way too much I think we once. all thank the way arts yeah, right? yeah, we can right. thank and resent the arts <laughs> for teaching us how to Love multitask yeah regular multitasking it's like no. this other tiered level that yeah. only exists within crazy artists yeah can... also to be present as your authentic self mm. while doing all the juggling and like yes. not go crazy and be a different person in each area learning to say no learning yes. to say no has been a big lesson after mm. starting a business yes yeah. i bet yeah, we're like, oh, you want that shirt? Sure. Yes. Oh, you want? Yes, yes, we can do that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. We run a business from Chicago and DC. Yes, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> neither of you are based here. Not so. anymore. Not right now. Wow. Not in the last year. Yeah. Yeah. I'm at least on the East Coast still, so I'm able to sort of, you know, I mean, there have been times in the last year where. I've been on the Bolt bus or sometimes the Amtrak, mm-hmm. you know, a couple times a week, um, living on 95. For a while, people were like, where do you live? And I was like, on 95, you know, <laughs> at any given time, like, you can find me anywhere. <laughs> yeah. um, it's been a challenge, but a great challenge, definitely. So you don't have to live in New York to do what they're doing? You don't. You have to have an awesome team, support team, who can really... Um, hold you up though. There are incredible thriving arts communities outside of New York. That's, That's right. what I've learned living in Chicago. I'm in madly in love with Chicago. It's oh. heaven. Is it's it? The greatest city. Mm. I could not be happier. Both my fiance and I have, it's been a healthy move. He's an actor. Right. So we tried to strategically pick a city that would fit us as artists. Yeah. And Smart. you can do a lot of different things and still be a creative being. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's definitely a good lesson to learn. Uh, before we set up the song, what advice would you give an artist either just starting out 
or maybe they're feeling the pull toward another path or like maybe something's happened to them and like they can't perform anymore or like what, what would you say to someone who's listening because I have a lot of performer listeners yeah yes <laughs> what <laughs> they're all attorneys <laughs> um I would say that always doing your best in every moment is one of the most important things you can do as an artist but also knowing that your best changes Right, so in one moment, your best is one thing, but then something can happen, and in like the next second, your best is completely different. And and erasing judgment from that fact, and just being present in that and accepting that for what it is, it's so difficult, but it makes things so much better and happier. And life is way too short, and there's way too much going on. To, to constantly add, compact that stress on yourself. You know, just really being present, saying, I'm doing my best. Tomorrow it's going to be different. Today it was, uh, or, you know, yesterday it was different. This is where I am now. Yeah. Yeah. I would say for those that think they might want to do some other things, since that's how I've gone, is yeah. stay, stay <laughs> open to curiosity. Mm-hmm. Um, curiosity provides a lot of windows of possibility and don't always have to know exactly what you want to do but you can take those little detours and and they don't undefine you or redefine you as something else um and also trusting that what is meant for you will not pass you by Uh what i you know making that's a big one that we 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 really it's hard sometimes you think you know we're i'm the ultimate planner so i like to know exactly what's happening in my life one after the next after the next and then not everything goes according to plan Go figure. Um, and <laughs> surprise, right? And trusting that, following curiosity, working hard, and being present as myself, I will do what I'm meant to do. It may not happen the way I want to stack them, but somehow it will. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Right? Yeah. yeah. So remember, I don't. I don't think I knew that leaving college. It's a really hard lesson to, you know, because you plan, especially in college. You're like, I'm going to move to New York. I'm going to book Broadway, and then life's going to be grand. Yep. You know? And, and the thing is that everything, yeah, what is if it's meant for you, you're going to get it, and you will most probably not get it any way you thought you were going to get it. That's right. Is there anything else you want to plug before we set up the song? And We've got lots of classes and programming, and if you're interested in all in any way, um, check us out, because we really, I think, have a very broad community. And we will if if there is not currently a place for you, we'll make one. Yeah. So reach Aww. out and we'll figure it out together. Yeah. Motivated Movers NYC. Love it. Yeah. Is there gonna be a motivator motivated movers DC and motivated movers Chicago? Is that it's completely entirely one hundred percent on the horizon in expansion. I think they're both very different markets. Yeah. So we're needed like learning what definitely those are. definitely I have so many friends in D.C. and Baltimore and Virginia because it's a thing down there. It's like so – it's a lot of places all in one. and But life is different there and the expectation is different there. The class – you know, there aren't rehearsal studios and not everybody works crazy random jobs. Like people have nine to fives. And yeah. so uh, the, the actual doing of class, planning that is way different than here. So – the community scenes are different. There's yeah. not as much music theater in Chicago. Really? No. I, who knew? There's not quite as much of it, so it's not even... I mean, I don't even see a whole lot of 
there's barely any theater dance classes I can go take for myself. Yeah, well, let and alone there's, beginner. there's a lot of musical theater in DC, and there are no classes. It's insane. And yeah. even, even uh, what do they do? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's so YouTube. Crazy. In New York, well, right? YouTube ballet. <laughs> in New York, I feel like um, the community really values taking class. And constantly training. Continuing education. Continuing education. And I feel like in D.C., people want it. People want it so badly, but there is no outlet. So we'd like to be that change. Yeah, of that change, market. Right? Yeah. Working on it. So if you're in Chicago <laughs> or D.C., you can email us, too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you feel so motivated. That's true. If you are motivated and moved to it. Yes. <laughs> oh, my goodness. The cheese. This is cheese. wonderful. I know. So much cheese. <laughs> Um, speaking of cheese, yes, I think what? it's time to set up the song. That was the best segue. We, we didn't plan that sexy at all. No, no. Sexy, 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 sexy cheese. I don't know that she's... I'm sure. <laughs> hey, I'm from Wisconsin. She's is very sexy. Okay, there, there you go. <laughs> if anybody knows about sexy cheese, it's Elise. It's Elise. Yeah. So, Jesse and Elise were kind enough to learn and perform a brand new song called... Sexy Hallway. Oh, yeah. It's ridiculous. Um, featuring my dear friend Casey Como, yes. uh, which you were going to hear. Um, so great. It's so weird. Fearless. <laughs> yeah. And oh, he's... K- killing the game. You're he, all, is, he is fearless. Yeah, he's yeah. got moves. Definitely. Oh, got he's, moves. he's got... Yes, yeah. he does. <laughs> um, I guess some things I'll explain before they hear it. Um, this is actually the final new song of my season. Before, really? yeah. Thank you for that. Thank you. Yeah. So yeah, and then my next episode is going to be in October, and that's going to be a live stream concert, yeah. uh, where we're kind of like recapping and revisiting all the songs that I wrote this season. Um, more info on that later. Um, you should go. You should yeah. totally check check in. You can, <laughs> stay, you can stay home in your pajamas and watch. Right. Like yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be easy. Um, so this is the final new song that I wrote this season. It's crazy. <laughs> Um, I can't How believe. Um, I think 18, 18 new songs. Yeah. Music genius. Oh, stop, yes. stop. <laughs> you're saying that because you're from OCU. <laughs> 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 I'm sorry, sorry. And so am I. So, so, it's so true. It's true. <laughs> um, I wrote this song. It was a response to a certain trend in music videos that I don't think anyone's talking about yet. I need to get highlighted. Um, and hopefully this starts the conversation. Let's. That's what I want to say about that. Um, is there anything you want to say about the song or oh like learning it or any of it? It was such a great exercise in <laughs> in the no judgment, just like ripping the bandaid off and doing. Yeah. You know, like sometimes as artists we can get so in our heads. And precious. And pre- yeah. And it's precious, just, yeah. yeah, it's just. Just do it. Just yeah. go out and do it. Yep. And think about it later. Don't take yep. yourself too seriously. No. Okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> when I sent this to you, I was like, I was, I was like, either they're gonna love it or it's the worst thing I've ever written. Like I didn't, and I still don't know. <laughs> we'll find out together. We'll find out. We'll find out it's part of the journey. It's it part is of the part journey. Of the journey. Yes. There's no wrong stuff. Sexy hallway. Um, Remember, this performance will also be available to stream on SoundCloud and brand new this season on YouTube. Uh, Be sure to follow me on all things social media and you may find those links and so much more on joelbnew.com. Follow my guests. Their website is motivatedmoversnyc.com. They're on the Twitter. They're on the Facebook. And it's 
pretty consistent. Instagram. It's, and the Instagram. And the Instagram. And it's Motivated Movers NYC all across the board. Except right? Twitter. No? Motivated, motivated NYC. Oh, Motivated NYC. NYC. Was there another mover? There, there, it was a moving company in some like, other Really? Space. There is a moving company called Motivated Movers on the West Coast. I, we'll meet them someday. Yeah. We I mean, actually we'll emails. collaborate with them someday. Say. <laughs> we actually totally get emails about like software from moving companies. We do. Really? Yeah. Well, we had one yesterday. It's really funny. <laughs> that's really funny. We I wonder if there's like a moving company that's like called like dance or something like yes. <laughs> the choreography of moving bucks yeah. yes <laughs> was um what is it jazz square box step like a yes. box, like a you know yes. a, that could be a thing well if we ever start a moving company as our like secondary business yeah first I we should come yeah we should just really just switch the script and switch call it. it jazz square yeah our husbands box, will box do the step. box step yeah. our husbands will do the lifting wait we're we're totally creating something great just, right now. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> Trademark. Trademark. Copyright 2016. Um, so follow them on all the things. Um, I'll include all the links in the episode description. Uh, subscribe to, rate, review this podcast, tell your friends all about it so we can come back for season five. Uh, special thanks today to Stephanie Layton, who does my graphic design work. Peyton Royal, who does my website. Uh, Joel Dickinson, who arranged the credit music that's happening right now. Uh, Casey Como for coming in and just stealing the spotlight and all our hearts. Um, (laughs) And last but not least, um, Elise and Jesse, thank you for being on my show today. Thank you for inviting us. It was so much fun. Um, From it was sexy and fun. <laughs> From Ripley Career Studios in New York, this is Joel B. New. And Motivated Movers. Saying thank you for dropping by for something new.
really like to do Is it a weird coincidence? These hallways shits don't make no sense Can't convince me I'm being crazy In all honesty, I think it's lazy Or maybe bunches have got so small The most affordable set is a narrow hall Not much to call Backlighting galore Find some inspiration in another location Theatrical Media.